Hello and welcome back to the latest Think Business podcast powered by Bank of Ireland. Today we talk to Tommy Kearns from Extreme Push, one of Ireland's fastest scaling Indigenous software companies. The company has been on an acquisition trail of late and plans to grow internationally. Kearns talks about the future of digital marketing and the realities of scaling business in a world shaped by the global pandemic. Extreme Push, it's a, it's a software company that's been growing steadily for the last uh, best part of a decade, I imagine. Tell us about how it started. Yeah, so so we're we're six year old. Uh, we're a multi channel engagement, personalization, and data platform. Um, and I suppose how we help brands, I suppose, just to give you a bit of context, how we help brands is we help them give their customers, their digital customers um, and, and physical customers, better experiences uh, and drive better outcomes for them and drive ultimately their business objectives across you know, revenue or consolidating um, costs across all the digital channels. So, so that's what we do. Um, we're, and that's how, we, how, how brands benefit from us. Um, we have... Um, and, and what we do basically is we help them understand their digital users and customers. And then from, you know, creating that kind of single customer view, we help them automate uh, relevant personalized one-to-one messaging across email, push notifications, um, SMS, Facebook Messenger, all of that, you, all of those outbound and on-site channels from a unified platform. Um, <coughs> And I suppose how we came about, you know, to 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 uh, answer is that I've been in the kind of mobile technology business for about 17, 18 years, all the way back to the ringtones and logos era, um, <laughs> and uh, which was really what, you, what we would call the first wave of personalization and instant gratification. You know, when you got the crazy frog on your phone, um, and what we found was the next wave was kind of app. Um, development and engagement. Um, so we ha- we had started to build um, um, app mobile applications for um, a number of businesses uh, throughout Europe, and um, you know the, the question they kept coming back to us is, okay, we've got a hundred or two hundred thousand um, downloads here. How can we communicate with them? Um, and uh, so so and, and lo and behold, at the same time, uh, John. The, the you know uh, Sergey Brin and uh, Steve Jobs had opened up the Apple kind of push gateways and the Google gateways, um, and so that's how Extreme Push um, came about. Uh, basically, we started as a mobile-first, purpose-built <clears throat> platform, but we came about it very, very different than the the days of the SMS spray and pray. It was all around understanding the data because you could do that on an app or on a website you could understand intent behavior you could understand what the transactions because you were getting it from the the crm system Mm. you could start to understand your users much in a much more granular fashion which meant you could talk to them in a much more relevant fashion when Mm. you decided to automate that and so that's how we came about it we went mobile first and then we went and then we built this unified multi-channel engagement and personalization platform. And that's the thing. I mean, when you look at marketing and the, the, the job of messaging today, I mean, if you go back 20 years, it was quite straightforward. You had press, you had radio, TV, and pretty much that was it. Uh, then the internet came along and now you've got you got automation you got programmatic you got so many different things going on your consumer is carrying these these mobile devices and they're like they choose what they see in a lot of ways they've got multiple apps on their phones and you know i would think that 
the traditional person who has in a, in a marketing mindset is no longer in a marketing mindset and nearly has to be almost like a software programmer in order to keep on top of it. Is it fair to say that you guys then would help take away all that confusion? Well, that's exactly what we do. We, we help, you know, for, for, we come at it from a marketeer or a, you know, um, a CRM or a head of digital channels point of view where it's, it's, it's really uh, clarifying and demystifying it because actually when you break it down, it is, you know, people are now consuming content, all right, on different devices at different times of the day. And, you know, when you break it down to that, it's, it's just understanding, well, what are they on? Are they on their desktop? Are they on their mobile phone? Is it the brand? We call it the brand in the hand. Is it the, is it the mobile phone, right? Is it the iPad in the evening? All right. And what our system and, and, and platform can do is help, um, you know, the, the, the marketeers, actually clarify and demystify that and just show, okay, we understand that John is on his iPad today and, and kind of seven in the evening, that's when he's kind of browsing on that. So if you are going to talk to John at that time, it's best to talk to him on that device with this specific, this specific piece of content. And we're very good at helping, you know, so, so a lot of what we do, we, 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 we have kind of three main pillars of why we, why we win. And that's mm. kind of on deep capabilities in the platform, John. And then it's being experts in, in the room or experts in the industry. So we're across five major verticals. So sports betting and gaming, e-commerce, publishing and media, uh, retail and challenge and banking, and then travel and hospitality, which has had a hard time, time right now, but we'll come back with a boom uh, very, very soon, we hope. But it's, under, it's being able to um, talk to them, you know, help the marketeers and the brands roll out those use cases to influence their business objectives to get them to, to hit their KPIs, you know? So, so how do I influence my user in a, in a positive fashion to do X, Y, and Z? And it's helping them roll out those use cases, demystify how to do it and then help them roll them out. So that's kind of the three pillars. Uh, and, and we lean in as a, as a, as a company to help that. Now you um, basically have, re you've done a lot of recent things in the last year uh, or last, last two years, actually. Um, I remember you guys uh, managed to, to, to win a big deal with LiveScore, which is about 50 million users. Uh, you acquired a company called Alchemetrics that I think the idea is to help make deeper data decisions to help market digital marketing companies and our professionals to make better decisions. But also then you, you've secured 4.2 million in funding there in the last year as well. And I, I think the messaging around time was you were planning to drive that, use that to accelerate your acquisition strategy. So tell, tell us about how the company has gone from within six years from being, you know, a startup to a scale up, I suppose. And what were the key, the key lessons of that? Yeah, um, good question, John. So we, you know, we bootstrapped the company from the ground up, um, and literally, we were we were lucky enough to have had uh, very good customers who were able to we were able to be profitable within thirteen months, um, and we were able to you know then scale it or or you know organically grow it. We won't call it scale it early on. Organically grow it through very good customers and partners who most of whom um, have stayed with us ever since. And once we started to do that, the, 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 the vision is to build a, a, a very large uh, company over the next three to five years. Um, and basically, we've managed to, um, as we were going along the way, we were missing some parts of the puzzle uh, to become that kind of unified platform. All right. So if you look at the industry, the whole MarTech industry is, is, 
when we talk about consolidation is it's more about well okay there's there's an understanding piece and a decisioning piece and an engagement piece and mm. you know that is coming together as time goes on and we're probably one we, we haven't seen any other platforms out there who are able to do you know all three in the one platform so mm. the vision was always there uh, uh, between myself and the founders but you know it, it's been helped massively by you know, a couple of acquisitions on the way uh, and we did we were and, and i suppose from a scaling perspective we were able to do that by um raising debt rather than equity at the time um, and obviously if you can do that and if your business and the rigor around your PL is good enough, then it's a better way to 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 do it because you don't um, dilute your equity. So we, we were able to buy an email company back in 18, and then we bought, as to your point, we bought Alchemetrics um, or acquired Alchemetrics in end of 2019, just before just before COVID hit. Um, <laughs> and, and the reason around that was to exactly to your point is is we see that the industry moving to more of a unified platform place where you can, you know, and a plug and play that you don't have 12 month projects to stand up a big data project or, a, you know, a decisioning project. But we can go into a tier one bank anywhere around the world and now plug in our, you know, our unified platform of, 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 of you know, CDEP or, you know, customer data and engagement platform. We can plug it in and get it up and running within six to eight weeks. You know, that's, you know, it's unheard of with some of the larger kind of monolithic stacks out there around the world. So that's our kind of USB and that's helped us massively to gain traction both here and abroad um, because, you know, quite frankly, large, large enterprises are, are you know, are coming along, the, 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 are coming, I suppose, to the same conclusion that we don't need to spend 12 to 24 months to stand something up. We can, let's do this in a phased approach. Let's see the, ROI in a kind of a 16 to a 24 week period. And that's the kind of promises that we make as a business um, and we stand behind them. And I suppose the pandemic itself, I mean, uh, has that had any impact on, on, on your scaling journey or has it actually given a greater potency or has, I mean, from the point of view of a lot of the purpose of what you enable is messaging uh, or communication from a brand to many consumers. And obviously in these times, um, the whole consumer landscape has done a seismic shift because everyone's at home um, very few places are open. Um, that may change, of course, in the coming weeks. But the, the messaging impact, uh, have you guys played a role? Has, has this really brought your technology to the, to the fore in that regard? I would say yes. Um, uh, so so what COVID has happened from from a from a you know there's obviously challenges from COVID internally as in you know from a from a remote working we can maybe talk about that in a minute but uh, it you know COVID has accelerated digital to uh, you know it's put it on steroids for want of a better word um, mm. it was always it was always moving in an accelerated pace but COVID has done you know has put it on steroids so we have massively um, it, that, that's helped our business um, and we're very you know we're 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 blessed to say that you know I don't say that lightly. I have some um, friends and peers who have been decimated by COVID, but we've been one of the lucky ones who have have um, been able to accelerate our our, our scaling uh, within COVID. There are a couple of verticals such as hospitality and, and travel who have obviously you know fallen off a cliff because of of, of the challenges they have. All right, mm. but, but 
I do see that already, which is a great green shoot. I see them already starting to gear up um, to to promote their services and starting communicating with their customers again um, and trying to bring them back in on, onto the onto the floor and trying to drive loyalty again. So, look at I think it's massively uh, it, it's helped the business to scale. You know, we've also. Um, We've been able to get out, you know, we've been able to, to scale in the States, uh, you know, uh, and that throughout COVID that has helped mm. so, or organically. Um, and then we took a decision um, at the, the end of the last quarter of 2020 to actually start building out an office there. So we now have just under a team of four and scaling that up to, um, we just hired our VP of sales for North America in the last um, month and a half. Um, so um, he's a very, he's a very, um, experienced guy has come he's been 20 years in the in, in the industry um and built businesses uh, SaaS businesses from kind of 100 arr to 100 million arr so wow. delighted to have a guy called paul severini so yeah so so we're very excited about that and and covid has definitely helped that i suppose internally um there has been you know plenty of challenges around well how does your what does your business look like uh you know remote so, you know, our business, you know, we were all kind of, we were all on site, um, you know, 90% of the time up to about the 16th of March last year. Um, and then on the 16th of March, we said, we better, we'll, we'll take this day as a, as a trial. And we never came back to the office. Um, wow. And we, we're lucky enough insofar as because we're technology, SaaS business in the cloud, all that kind of good stuff, you know, we had all the systems in place um, to become remote overnight, all right? Um, and we had massive productivity um, in those last 12 months. But, but the, the concerns that we have now and the challenges we have now is around burnout. It's around, you know, mm. uh, when, and, and isolation. You know, people are, there is an element of, you know, um, there's an element of, um, you know, isolation and um, with people, uh, working remotely these times. So we have to balance that kind of cross-functional social elements that you don't get when you're remote. So we're, yeah. we're, trying, we're kind of putting stuffs in place like that now to try and help that. Yeah, it's quite a hard one because um, I often wonder, you know, how organisations keep their cohesion, in, especially when you're in the middle of a massive scaling event. In your case, um, you know, you've got people in different jurisdictions. Um, you're trying to keep everyone on the same page. How do you find... Uh, I mean, technologically, yes, you can turn on your computer, you can do Zoom calls, you can email each other, you can IM, whatever, you, you, you use Slack, whatever platforms you want to use. In reality, from the point of view of a leader, a leading, leading, leading dozens and dozens of workers and, you know, developers and, you know, trying to march and step how did you how did you overcome that challenge i mean as you said you were all on site one minute and the next you were all distributed yeah well that's a that's a really good uh, question and, and communication is a huge part of that um you know so the zoom calls the slack calls but actually faith you know you know zoom you know all hands calls more regularly mm. um you know subset of 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 groups a cross-functional groups talking more often there's definitely an element in the remote workplace where you have to you have to be aware, self-aware that you have to do that more because when you're in an office, it just happens naturally, that kind of water cooler moment or you're just walking down, you know, through the office and you're just chit-chatting. 
that doesn't happen naturally remotely. So as a leader, um, well, I think the first thing is to have, you know, very good leaders around you. Um, and and I, I'm lucky enough to say that I, I have really good um you know, we've got a really good team in XP um, from, from, from the bottom to the top and the top to the bottom. Um, so we have been, and we're, and we're kind of paranoid about comms insofar as, you know, if we think we're not communicating enough, we, you know, we're talk, we're asking each other, are we communicating enough? Um, so I think communication is a lot to do with it, uh, John, mm. uh, because, I, and, and it's, it's that kind of frank, it's, and it's not always, you know, just giving updates. It's more having, frank, earnest conversations, be it in one-to-ones or in small groups, to ensure mm. that everybody is aligned with the strategy, the tactics, all right? And then having, sorry, and then basically setting out a clear plan, um, a nice, clear, simple plan, um, both on a quarterly, you know, um, annual basis. And, and then going back to, you know, do we need to have a relook at this? You know, do we do, or do we need to kind of uh, reground what this plan is? So as everyone is aware, is that speaking to these objectives? Mm. And it's again, and then how do you do that again around good communication at all levels? Mm. And, and I thought then also a good question to ask is the overall Irish tech sector. A good question that from the point of view of uh, you guys have got raised funding. Um, we know that in the early stage funding part of the market, uh, funding has pretty much plummeted. But that said, every week it goes by and you're seeing great examples of companies growing and changing. Some really good new companies on the market like uh, Bobby Healy's Mano Aero, for example. Some just really interesting ones to watch what are your thoughts on the progression of the irish tech sector from the point of view of maintaining momentum growing it and i suppose also the point of being of being an employer in a city where you've got to employ the best tech talent you can get where you're also competing against the likes of google and microsoft and facebook and god knows well I, let me let me take that in the reverse order so uh, competing with yeah competing with the the, the kind of the the the, the the big gorillas um, in the in the city is a challenge, you know, because we'll never we'll never compete on you know um, on a scale of them. And when it comes down to the actual salaries and stuff like that, so we compete on different things. We compete on ambition. We compete on culture. We compete on innovation. We you know we compete on the speed of the where we move, and people want to be involved in businesses like that. So. Um, and the energy around how we're doing it and when we're doing it and the, and the successes we're getting, right? Um, so that's how we compete with them, with, with, with you know, with those. And we're glad to have those multinationals in, in Ireland because without them, you know, there will be a significant other problems, right, that we wouldn't be talking about. But it is a challenge, obviously, hiring talent up when you're up against some of that because, you know, it's easy to take a, a higher paycheck um, on a monthly basis. So we have to, we have to, um, compete with different softer uh, sides sometimes. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and then if I go down into you know the investment side of the tech sector, I think you're you know obviously it's 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 well written about you know the the, the kind of the early stage is kind of not as good at the moment in the in the Irish uh, as in sorry not that the talent isn't there or the companies isn't there because they are there but actually there isn't that uh, enough investment going into those um in fairness to EI they do their fair share their fair share of, of it and they, they mm. step up to create a lot okay but they do we do need more early stage funds and more early stage um VCs uh, coming into the market from a from a growth equity or or or, or alternative um, funding, which is debt or, or or venture debt, as it's sometimes called, 
there is there's lots of that around. There's lots of that around in Europe, like cost of capital is at a you know it's at a low, you know, so you know funds want to uh, invest in good companies. Um, so from a from a growth scale up kind of equity, I think that you'll find that there's there's not um, a shortage of that. There's probably a shortage of companies to put them into, uh, if the truth be known. Um, um, but there are some really good companies. To, to your point, the likes of the Manas and the Bobby, you know, like that's you know, there'll always be um, really good investors queuing up to get in there because you know it's just such a really innovative um, um, yeah, product uh, that that that, that um, Mana are are providing, and I think it has a lot of legs. And I've actually have heard um, Bobby talk about it, and he's a he's a very interesting character and a very intelligent guy. And I suppose finally, then looking beyond pandemic uh, at the future of of Extreme Push, you you've I'm now post now in the states uh, a built a war chest for acquisitions. You're, you're, you you've 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 assembled the technology stack. You've made it a, a more plug and play, I suppose, into into more into disparate systems. What's the future look like then? I mean, do you see yourselves growing headcount? Do you see yourselves, um, you know, looking to other other global markets? We'll, 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 uh, we're just uh, we're just under seventy people now um, on a global basis. Um, we're we will double our headcount in the next twelve months, um, and you know you know our, our kind of our core focus over the next twelve to eighteen months is 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 to really scale up the European organically um, offices. All right, uh, the the offering um, and offices. And also the US, as I just talked about, and then also look at complementary acquisitions um, that will fit well with our unified um, engagement stack, and can and you know and uh, you know can play with and add value to our customers we have and prospects that we're going after. But yeah, so like we're, you know, it's we want to build a significant business over the next three years. We want to kind of build a business into 30 to 40 million annual recurring revenue. Um, and we're on track to do that uh, as long as we keep um, keep innovating, keep um, keep keep true to our culture and our core um, and drive as hard as we can as we go.